Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. Today I have the immense pleasure of getting to do a very special episode with four of the most amazing women. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Today I am here with Michelle. Hello. Hello, Michelle. Michelle normally plays Lazy, the gin uh, monk on our main thing, The Beholder's Eye. We also have Carrie. My Hello. lovely wife. And she usually plays Chirp, the rogue, yep. on Beholder's Eye. We also have with us Renee Rhodes, who is the amazing DM over at Fate and the Fable Maidens. Charmed, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and lastly, we have Becca Eckhart, and she plays possibly one of the best gnomes ever, Meriwether, <laughs> on Fate and the Fable Maidens. All things. Ladies, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Um, Yay, having us. This is my house, so I'll be here one way or another. <laughs> I've just been so excited for this the last couple of weeks. I'm glad, like, I was so happy when we announced everything, and I'm, I'm glad that everybody finally gets to hear this. So today we are going to be playing Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week is a game that is based off of the Powered by the Apocalypse game system. It is a kind of simple system where instead of having your normal seven different polyhedral dice, you only use 2d6 to decide everything. The game master, or as they refer to it in Monster of the Week, keeper never rolls anything. They just make determinations on how those dice rolls go. In Monster of the Week, you have a team of monster hunters generally based around different kind of archetypes seen in shows like Supernatural, Buffy, Ash vs. Evil Dead, your typical Monster of the Week show. Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, yes. Very much Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I think Scooby-Doo was probably the, the uh, <laughs> Prometheus of Monster of the Week shows. <laughs> one, one, one of they brought no, fire. Uh, uh, <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor, Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's way old. I mean, there's so many oh, yeah, out Doctor there. Doctor Who's been around for so long. It has. Anywho. Any Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, in Monster of the Week, your hunters have five basic skills charm, cool, sharp, tough, and weird, which honestly are some of the best tabletop role playing game skills ever. And you use these skills to do, do different actions, but these actions are really only triggered by the narrative. So the characters get to tell the keeper what they're going to do, and the keeper decides when they should take an action. But most general things that a reasonable person of your profession could do as a hunter, the keeper's going to let you do. This allows us to have a much more narratively focused session and get to play with the interactions between these characters, which we'll get a bit in more into that when we get to character introductions. Uh, first, before we roll into everything, now that I've kind of explained what we're going to play, I'd like to take a minute for us all to talk about women in tabletop gaming month, because that's the reason we're doing this special thing. For awesome for me personally, yes. <laughs> for me personally, I... Having women at the table is very important to me. And it's because I, I believe that every different view that you can possibly get sitting at a table playing a game that is a collaborative story, which all tabletop role-playing games are, gives you a better and more rich story. And that goes beyond just women. And I mean, it also is Pride Month. So, you know, people of any sexual orientation or gender representation or race, you're going to make an interesting character and add to that world in ways that 
the other people that are there couldn't do. And to me, that's just, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. What about you ladies? So for me, both uh, Pride Month and Women in Tabletop Gaming means that I, I am seen and a lot of other people who may not always feel that, feel that they are seen. And that's so incredibly valuable to know that people do see you, people know you're there, people want to listen, and uh, people value whatever you do, whatever you create. So most important to me, it's that people know I'm here. And that makes me feel like I matter. I love that. I feel like that's a really general kind of being seen. I feel like that's something that women crave you know we all just want to be seen and heard versus men who really want i think maybe more respect than anything else women in relationships that i know you know, like you know they kind of feel ignored in a lot of ways so we all crave being seen and this is one way that hello here we are you know <laughs> well, that's awesome. getting that that agency in the story as well yeah so I went to OrcaCon. I've been going a couple of years now, um, but the most recent OrcaCon that I went to, I, went to, I got to go to this panel, and it was about inclusivity in gaming, and it really spoke about having more women in tabletop gaming and making them feel comfortable in game stores. Yes. Um, and that's something that I always struggled with, was like going into a game store, trying to find a new D&D party, or just like going and like checking out the tabletop games that they have there. Um, I always felt like I was getting gawked at and I just want to like be a representation of us strong females and um, don't let them get you down. Just go in there, be confident and get what you want. Don't be ashamed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, one of the things that's important about Women in Tabletop Gaming Month is um, that I think so that I spent a good amount of time in pretty like male dominated areas. I think even like in high school, I played trumpet in, in the band, which is like pretty, pretty much just boys um, there. And it was like, you had to prove that you were one of the guys in order to kind of like be respected and be taken seriously and be like part of that community. And so I think what's important about women in tabletop gaming month is that you don't have to prove that you're one of the guys to be part of the group you get to be yourself and just get to get to hang and bring your yeah your own woman self to to the game you don't have to prove it to anyone yeah i really like that Mm -hmm. that's fantastic um and that's how i felt like at a few game stores that like i went to frequently um i felt very included and it was fun just to like be myself and be accepted Mm-hmm. Definitely. I like that so far, most of what I've seen, there's little pockets here and there of horrible, horrible people. But most of what I've seen <laughs> is that a lot of the gaming community tends to be very accepting. I've had this in my own personal experience, and I know there's a lot of people who have horror stories out there of just horrible DMs and groups that they've gotten stuck with, but... One of the things that I really got me into D&D was playing on Roll20. And the first game that I found that would take me was DM'd by a woman. And she wrote, it was basically a novel's worth of lore and background for this world. And it blew me away how much detail she went into 
for a game on the internet and for she's writing you know, a story for mm-hmm. for five strangers that she didn't even know and it was it it really inspired me to be a better dm honestly and i had never seen that from any other male dm that i had played with and to supplement what you said andrew i think that for and when you're on the internet when you're a part of the gaming community you do encounter those negative situations but oh, yeah. for every negative situation you encounter there are people in the gaming community who will be there for you to support you to hold you up to fight for you and that is incredibly important so the gaming community is uh, ultimately a great place to be and is continually working towards being a safe place to be for literally anyone to come sit down at the table and roll some dice with some friends it's honestly like the more i get into it a bit of an inspiration for humanity at times there's far more (laughs) positive than there is negative oh yeah no there's still plenty of toxicity and horrible people out there like we could get we could talk about that the number one rule in tabletop gaming (laughs) is don't play with anyone that is a butthead exactly exactly. that was my pg version that's something that (laughs) I, i tend to see which where people will ask you know when i'm getting into these situations where i'm I'm running into toxic people in game groups what should i do and it's like just don't don't play with them try to find somebody else to play with because Mm -hmm. the more you engage with them they're not gonna make it fun it's not gonna be enjoyable so play with people that you like playing with Mm -hmm. yeah but let's get into the story. Yeah, let's do let's this. paint All us right. a word picture. Tell so, us what's going down. For this uh, this special episode, I didn't really want to just try to do some sort of side story on the Beholder's Eye or try to mix the Fate and the Fable Maiden characters with our campaign. So I thought it would be really fun. Ooh, that'd be tricky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although we do some reality bending stuff that I think we I could... Kind of explain <laughs> my way around right. but <laughs> i wanted to do something different because i've been really interested in monster of the week and wanted to play this because i i love monster of the week shows and i love the way that it's set up so i came up with this idea of uh a crew of four ghost hunters uh two hosts and a, a camera operator and a sound tech uh, along with their producer going out and investigating claims of different haunted houses and ghost sightings what what i've kind of set up for this is that the team is now in the beginning of their second season coming off of a first season where most of it was uneventful they did a lot of debunking of different ghost claims until their finale episode which turned out to be a pretty substantial claim they had gotten a cry for help from a family that said that when they first moved into their house they had a little bit of weird happenings nothing too sinister and over the course of a a few months the hauntings became more frequent and horrible and things would be turned on their side you know their whole life was turned on its head and it culminated in one of their children disappearing their daughter this was where the the group came into it through investigating this and seeing where this daughter was the the family had claimed that she would speak to them through the tv and one of the characters the sound techs expertise and the camera operators expertise they kind of were able to record some of the messages coming from the the daughter that was stuck on the other side. And with this information, the two hosts kind of made a plan to retrieve the daughter from the other side. And the four of them found a portal in the daughter's room. And while they were enacting their plan to 
to save this little girl, one of the hosts was Thelma. Thelma was knocked back and the camera operator Frida and the sound tech Sophie went to help Thelma. Our other host, Destiny, who is a possibly touched by ghost person, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll get into that in characters <laughs> in a minute, uh, was able to use her ghostly powers to save this little girl from the other side. The other three members of the show didn't quite see what was happening. Frida thinks she saw something, but isn't quite sure. Well, Once again, we'll get into that in characters. But the camera only caught from the floor Thelma being saved by Frida and Sophie. And in the very corner, you see Destiny pulling this little girl from the other side through this portal in the closet. And it... It was explained away within the show that it was a trick of the light, but it looked like Destiny might have went see-through, basically, for one part. And that was the end of the first season. So now we're picking up with this Ghost Hunter team as they're they're coming off of that success. They've had a couple of episodes where they haven't quite found anything yet, but they've got a really substantial claim from a woman who is in a orphanage up in... an old orphanage up in Maine, which I'll... I'll get into that after we do characters. She's enlisted the party to help her with the hauntings she's having. Let's roll right into characters. Because I keep referencing it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So I uh, am playing Destiny Morton. I am one of the hosts for our show, Spectre Seekers. So Destiny looks, uh, gives off a little bit of Veronica Riverdale vibes. And so she has a a pearl necklace that she wears frequently. She pulls uh, her her dark black hair up into a kind of tall ponytail um, on her head and is always dressed as classily as she think is thinks is worthy of uh, television and uh, usually has pretty on fleek eyebrows, makeup, lipstick, etc. So uh, I have some otherworldly influences, which above table is referenced by the fact that I'm playing the monstrous playbook, but in table, I'm not really sure that uh, anyone else realizes how how influential that that side is. I'm I'm pretty weird. That's going to be one of my strongest suits uh, as far as this game goes. And uh, I started out with this this group. I think had some experience acting and ended up finding uh, this group traveling around and it gave me the the chance to be on television which I was not expecting it's been more exhausting than I expected it to be and I I feel that frequently but we've been through a lot and honestly ultimately have saved each other hold each other accountable throughout our our experiences and our encounters with anything paranormal even the ones that that were ultimately debunked and uh after our, our latest attack uh, encounter with the the poltergeist and the, the girl trapped in the television, um, we had kind of a a serious moment. I was I was really looking forward to kind of touching base with my uh, coworkers and talking to them about some of the the things that I struggle with and uh, ended up experiencing a moment with a, a Frida that kind of made me draw back a little bit, and I'm not sure that I've come back out of that shell yet. So with that, uh, Frida, would you like to uh, go next? Yeah. 
Um, so my name is Frida Ascot. Um, I am the wronged. Is this what we're going through? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. yes. Kind of. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> good. Um, and Frida is. Um, she is Cuban American, and she has a. Uh, I decide like a pixie undercut for her hair. Nice. She's she's pretty cool looking, um, and. Yeah, so um, for me, when I was little, like 12, uh, my family moved into a new home and a, um, to make, I guess, a longer story short, a ghost ended up uh, kind of possessing my little sister, Natalie, um, and no one really believed that anything was wrong with Natalie and because it was kind of spooky and scary and we didn't want to, we just thought, I don't know, maybe just the stress of moving Um, but then one night in the middle of the night, I woke up and saw my sister out in the woods behind our house. Um, and she just kind of like walked in there. And then when, um, when I woke my parents to try and find her, we couldn't find her. We called the police and searched and she ended up dead. And everyone thinks it's an animal attack, but I know that it was not, that it was not animals, that it was because of this ghost. Um, and so... I've been trying. I've been trying to hunt down ghosts ever since then um, to kind of get revenge for my sister, avenge my sister. And so I ended up working here on uh, Specter Seekers. Um, and like Destiny mentioned, at the end of the first season, after um, the little girl was saved, that kind of hit too close to home for me, um, and I ended up kind of going berserk and freaking out about. Um, just how terrible ghosts are and the way that they take advantage of small children. Um, and ever since then, Destiny's been, uh, and I, it seems like our relationship hasn't been quite as close as maybe it has been in the past. And I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then um, with Thelma, um, she just knows so much um about ghost hunting that I really respect her her knowledge and come to her for advice um, about yeah just about about hunting to try to try to better myself and then Sophie is the reason why I got this job on the show um, because we've been friends for for a while and she knew um, I guess she knew about my sister and knows how important it is hunting hunting knows how important hunting ghosts is to me. Um, and was able to get me this job on Spectre Seekers. Nice. Yeah, Frida's my good old buddy. Yes. And my character is the mundane Sophie Snacks. Um, <laughs> I feel like she's just, you know, your typical burnout. <laughs> just kind of accident prone, fell into the job. I got this job because of Thelma. Um, she introduced me to monsters, and at the end of last season, I helped save her life. But Destiny, after the end of last season, I've been a little skeptical of her. She's been seeming a little off lately with her moods. What does Sophie look like? Oh, she got kind of like medium length curly hair, has a baseball cap on. 
that she wears backwards. Um, <laughs> her boom is a hockey stick because she's a huge Silver Tips fan. And she's wearing some tattered, torn up jeans. The work vehicle is actually her uh, Volkswagen van. It's got a couple bunks in the back, some maps of where we've been. There's like snack compartments, like food snack compartments in every <laughs> corner of the van. Mm-hmm. Um, because Sophie Snacks is literally always snacking. <laughs> yeah, that's what my character looks like and feels like. Always looking for the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hand it over to Thelma. Yeah, Thelma is the expert. Um, she has like red hair, crazy red hair. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, I picture Thelma with crazy red hair tamed into a neat bun. Um, she wears Doc Martens wide brown leg tweed pants with a matching vest over a white short, leaf, short sleeve blouse. Uh, she found it in her mom's closet because Thelma isn't much of a shopper or anything. So she found okay. it in her mom's closet and thought it looked professional. Nice. Uh, she's... Uh, Oh, yeah, she has one of those big, ugly watches, you know, with all the buttons on it so she can take notes in her watch. That's where she takes notes. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What did we do about this? Oh, she has a panic room, which is Sophie's van. So she has essential supplies and it's protected. Uh, we can hide out there if we need to. Uh, it has protection spells on it as well. Nice. And I have the lore library. Yes. So I figure on the way there that we've been... Uh, You've been researching. Road tripping there. I've been doing the lore library. So when I go to investigate a mystery, I get plus one. I love you guys' characters. They're all very good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thelma doesn't wear makeup at all. So we're quite the opposite as hosts. Uh, Oh, did we explain that? I'm the host. Yes. Uh, Thelma and Destiny are the hosts. And Sophie Sophie is the sound tech. And Frida is the camera operator. This episode, the Spectre speakers are going to be investigating claims of multiple ghosts within Hartness House, an orphanage located in the city of Winterville, Maine. The orphanage which pfft, orphanage is a fun one to say, and I have to say it a bunch more times. The orphanage was built in 1839 by Thomas and Mary Hartness and housed hundreds of children before the unfortunate events that led to its closure in the winter of 1868. Thomas Hartness died of a brain aneurysm at the age of 35, just three years after the orphanage was completed. Mary went on to run the orphanage with kindness and compassion for the next 26 years. In early November 1868, one of the children had fallen ill with a mysterious disease, and in the few days that took it Uh, that it took the local doctor to arrive at the orphanage, almost half of the other children had caught the disease. The doctor was unable to identify the illness and wrote to doctors at the state university to see if there was any information on said disease. Unfortunately, by the time the doctor received a response, Mary Hartness and all of the orphans were dead. 
The dis- oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's very depressing. Hey, at least it wasn't like it a, a passionate good. rage or yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. No murder. Uh, yeah, at least they weren't drug out into the forest, then mauled. Or yeah. eaten or something, uh, yeah. Very good. Yeah, sad orphanage. The disease was never identified, and ownership of the orphanage turned over to the state. Hartness House was sold and bought many times over the years, and gained a reputation for hauntings especially in early December when Mary and the orphans had died. Though the hauntings were said to be frequent, the ghosts were not hostile. In 1934, Hartness House was classified as a historical house and preserved accordingly. In 1976, a man named Richard Brookston bought Hartness House and used most of his small fortune to convert the orphanage into a bed and breakfast for people interested in the paranormal. He enjoyed mediocre success until his retirement in 1994 when he left management of the bed and breakfast to his daughter, Evelyn Brookston. Evelyn had silently disapproved of her father making money off of the dead, and she stopped taking guests and shut Hartness House off from the rest of the world. For the last 22 years, she has barely been heard from and will deny anyone asking for an interview or tour until now. And that's where the Spectre Seekers come in. That's kind of, that's also the history that you guys would have looked up. And this is the information you have before starting the actual mystery. Thank you, Google. Yeah, Google is a powerful tool. Uh, Actually, we couldn't get the rights to Google. So in this world, it's Gogol. (laughs) Gogol. Gogol. Let's Google some like ghosts. J G O G. Oh my gosh. G L E. Like G H O Go Ghoul. Go Ghoul. It's the Ghoul database. women seek out all manner of ghouls and ghosts. Their passion for poltergeist pummeling is unrivaled. No house is too haunted, no truth too terrifying for the Spectre Seekers. Spectre Seekers. 